Join the social sports conversation. Follow TSN 690 on Facebook. Click on Facebook.com slash TSN 690 Montreal. It's Saturday Sports on TSN 690. Joey Alfieri with you from 10 until noon. And we have a very, very, very huge show lined up for you this morning. Really excited to talk to Owls linebacker DJ LaLama. He emerged as a Canadian starter late last season for the Owls. But he had to overcome so much adversity in his life before that point. We'll talk to him about that just after 10.30. Really excited to have Impact midfielder Sam Piet join us. Uh, after 11 o'clock, he'll tell us what it's like to become a father less than a month ago. And oh, by the way, scored his very first MLS goal last week. So again, that goes just after 11 o'clock. And former NHL goalie and teammate of Mark Bergevin's Jamie McLennan will preview the Stanley Cup final and will talk to us about the Habs offseason. And that's exactly where I want to start. We will talk Western Conference final in the NBA and LeBron James and what he had to say about not winning MVP last night in a moment. But the Joel Edmondson signing has been way more polarizing than I expected. The fan base seems to be genuinely split on this one. Uh, it was a four-year deal at $3.5 million per season. And I don't know, I think it was just, I thought it was a move that would kind of just uh, fly under the radar. But nothing really flies under the radar with with Canadians fans, right? And uh, when the Canadians made the trade, uh, I know it's kind of been brought up throughout the week, uh, but just before the trade happened last, I think it was right after we got off the air last week. Uh, it was a few hours after noon. Uh, I think it was around 5 o'clock on Saturday. Uh, the Canadians had traded, you know, they announced the fifth-round pick uh, going to Carolina for Joel Edmondson. And I don't know, like, you see these tweets from and and I don't get me wrong I love analytics I read the numbers and and trust me I 100% in on the analytics I think uh, any team or any fan that doesn't if you don't understand it it's fine but if you don't think it's useful I think you know you're you're missing out and it's uh, it's too bad because there is some valuable information there but then like you see things from he's the worst defenseman or one of the worst defensemen in the NHL talking about Joel Edmondson to, you know, he's a serviceable, physical, third-pairing guy. And I, I think that's kind of where, like, he's he's right there. Like, I don't think he's going to carry uh, a second pairing. But, I mean, I do think just, you know, being familiar with him, watching him win the Stanley Cup with the Blues last year, or, yeah, that's right, last year, and then, you know, being traded to, Car to Carolina as part of the Justin Falk deal. I mean, I don't know. Like, he's just, he's not flashy, it's not necessarily the, the sexiest acquisition the Canadians could have made, but I think it, it could be an effective one. You look at the way Ben Sherratt played for the Canadians this year, 
And yeah, at times it was a bit of a struggle, and I, I think he played in a in a role where he was a little more elevated in the lineup than even I had expected. But you could tell, like he was effective with Shea Weber for a good chunk of the year on that top pairing. And, and again, it, it's one of those things where I'm not suggesting that Ben Sherrod is a top pairing guy, but I think if you're playing with somebody who carries the pairing like a Shea Weber does then I think you kind of just have to stick to your role, not be too flashy, and and you'll be fine. And I, and I think that's that's where we're heading with Joel Edmondson. Like you're not you're not asking him to you're not asking him to carry the pairing. You know, there there's no I I, I there's no way. There's no way that he's going to carry a pairing with Jeff Petrie, but I think if you just compliment Petrie, I think you'll get by. I think you'll be fine. And again, the three and a half million dollar cap hit it's 2020, folks. Like this is what guys on the open market get, and I realize uh, that it is uh, a flat cap this year, and the cap's not going to go beyond 81 and a half million dollars. I, I totally get that, uh, but I do think that if Joel Edmondson gets to free agency, I think somebody's paying him. And you you notice in the Stanley Cup playoffs, like you see how tight all of these series are. I mean, even a team that has the firepower that Tampa Bay does, I mean, they have to scratch and claw for everything against the Islanders. They didn't they didn't annihilate the Islanders. They didn't put, you know, six, seven goals past them every other game. I mean, these games are tight. These games are going to overtime. And you see the way most of these goals are scored now. And it's with traffic in front of the net. So if you're the Canadians, I think a big reason why they were able to beat Pittsburgh and keep it competitive against Philadelphia in the playoffs is because they did have some bigger bodies at the back, Sherratt, Weber. I mean, we even saw Jeff Petrie was physical too. They can clear the front of the net. And I think that's that's what the target was. I think that's what Mark Bergevin identified is that you've invested all this money in your goalie, I, goalies, because now you're spending almost $15 million on the goaltending position. But you want to make life as easy as possible for your goaltenders. Or else what's the point? So we know that the Canadians need size. I think that's been well documented. We mentioned that a time or two. But you don't necessarily have it up front, but now you do have it on the back end. And look, they still have some money to spend. They do have money to burn. Uh, The Canadians have $10.2 million in cap space right now, heading into free agency on October 9th. And on defense, I think they're pretty much done. I don't know if they'll make a move involving Victor Mete or Brett Kulak or whatever, but I think that with the group of defensemen that they have, uh, I think they're done. So, yeah, you've got to sign Victor Mete, who's RFA, but I'd imagine that that's going to come in at under $2 million a year. So, basically, the bulk of this $10 million that you have left on the cap, it, you spend it up front because you've got the backup goalie. You've ironed out the defense. This is what it's going to look like, whether you like it or not, with Edmondson playing with Petrie, and I'd imagine that Sherrod and Weber are going to stay together, and then it's going to be a battle for bottom-pairing minutes, I feel, with Romanov, and maybe Romanov grows into you know a second-pairing player as the season and the training camp wears on. But Romanov, Kulak, Mete played the right side in the playoffs. Those guys are all going to be battling. Those guys are going to be battling for bottom-pairing minutes, and I think that's fine. You want competition with those guys. And who knows, maybe Joel Edmondson's in competition with those guys too. 
I don't think so, given the fact that you've just committed four years to him and he has a modified no-trade clause as part of that deal, by the way. But I'm okay with the signing. I, I think it's fine. And I honestly, even if they wouldn't have signed him, and I saw this as well on social media where, oh, my goodness, how could you give a fifth-round pick? You don't even know if you're going to sign him. I don't know. Sending a fifth-round pick to, to, to Carolina, I really don't think that's too big of a deal. Whether you sign Edmonton or not, I don't think anybody really cares about that fifth-round pick because, again, the Canadians still have 11 selections in the 2020 draft, four of them in the first two rounds. They still have three second-round picks. I'm just, I'm fine, you know, with the way the team is built right now. I'm not saying that they're a juggernaut. I'm not saying that they're going to be able to compete for the top three spots in the division, but, but I think it's trending in the right direction. I think we can admit that. Saturday Sports on TSN 690. Joey Alfieri with you until noon. Uh, we will talk Habs with Jamie McLennan. He's uh, one of the co-hosts of Overdrive on TSN 1050. And uh, we'll get into the uh, Edmondson signing and the acquisition of Jake Allen. And we'll preview the Stanley Cup playoffs too. You know, I still felt like I was one of the younger guys in St. Louis because it, it was an older team. But um, my year down in Carolina, I went into that locker room and I was, you know, instantly one of the, old, one of the older guys. So it was a, a new leadership role that I, I embraced. And I'm just going to take that into Montreal's dressing room. And, you know, I, I hope they lean on me. Um, obviously, Jake Allen, too, he's got, he's got a ring. So, no, I'm just looking forward to it. And I want to be a, a leader in the dressing room and on the ice. You know, once they traded for me, uh, I realized, you know, they obviously, they really want me. And just, I took a, took a week to, you know, think about it. And, you know, I was very excited to, that we could get negotiating right away. And, um you know, it just takes the stress off free agency now, and uh, I could be happier to be in Montreal. You know, I think he, he was talking about me playing with Petri, Petri, and then, you know, Sherrod and Webb's first pairing. So, um, you know, if, if, I, if that's the way it pans out, I, I could be more excited. There's Joel Edmondson, and uh, I'd like to, I'd love to get your reaction on the uh, Joel Edmondson signing, and I'd like to know where you see the Canadians spending this last $10 million. Do you think that they make a trade for somebody? Do you think they sign somebody in free agency? You can get in touch with the program a couple different ways. You can tweet me at Joey Alfieri or at TSN 690. Uh, you can also text me at 11690, and uh, we'll get to some of your answers a little bit later on. Uh, we also have a poll question up at Joey Alfieri on Twitter. You can also find it at TSN 690 on Twitter. Uh, very simply, who are you rooting for? Stanley Cup final begins tonight. Dallas Stars. Tampa Bay Lightning, assuming you have no horse in the race, who are you rooting for? We'll get to uh, the poll results uh, a little bit later on in the show. Uh, of course, there's former Montreal Canadiens on both sides. Are you uh, Team Sergachev? Are you uh, Team Radulov? Are you Team Joel Hanley? Because he's been playing on defense for the Dallas Stars, former Montreal Canadian. Uh, we'll get to the poll results uh, a little bit later on. Uh, but the possibility was was brought up. It's been brought up uh, throughout the week. Uh, you heard, uh, you know, uh, the morning show uh, guys talk about it. Uh, you've heard um, Melnick in the afternoon. We've talked about it ad nauseum as well. The Canadians have this, you know, over $10 million, like we mentioned, to spend uh, on the salary cap. Uh, Taylor Hall of Fit. Here's Darren Dreger. The word out is that anyone 25 or older is pretty much available. So if, if you're trying to slash your payroll and, and take it down to the low 70s or into the 60s, well, you're not signing uh, a 9 or a $10 million player. I, I think it's going to be interesting where Taylor Hall lands. Uh, I, 
I still like him as a fit in Montreal, um, but I, I would say that about a handful of teams. So, yeah, Darren Dreger's been on this. He's I remember Darren was also talking about John Tavares potentially coming uh, to the Montreal Canadiens as well when he hit free agency. We know how that turned out. Uh, Pierre Maguire's response uh, when asked if the Montreal Canadiens should be in on Taylor Hall. I think you got to do some serious studying. I think you have to do some serious studying. Um, study everything that went on in Arizona this year. Study everything that went on in New Jersey this year. Discount the MVP season. Uh, I think that was really important. It was great for him. Um, but what happened afterwards? I think you need to look at the injury situations uh, that he's had over time, and I think you need to really study the Edmonton situations and try to follow the growth pattern of a player over time. Um, that's not to say he can't be an important part of it, because one thing Montreal needs is they need a power forward, and Taylor's got the chance to be that. Yeah, so Taylor Hall uh, obviously finished the season with the Arizona Coyotes. Uh, not overly impressive in the playoffs but again just with Arizona there's so much going on off the ice there and the team is just in shambles they have no draft picks Uh, a lot of their young talent I like some of their young talent but a lot of those guys have already signed big deals so they don't really have cap space so a guy like Clayton Keller who you know I like I think he's been he's been good but you know he starts making 7.1 million dollars as soon as this season. Uh, Phil Kessel didn't really have a good year. Uh, Derek Stepan's going into the final year of his contract but he's making big money and he's not the player he once was. But you know other guys uh Nick Schmaltz good young player but he's already he's close to 6 million dollars a year. Uh, Christian Dvorak at 445. I mean, these are guys that are locked into long-term deals. And, you know, I like I like some of their players, like I said. But there's a lot of distraction off the ice there. Um, you know, they were, you know, they were penalized, lost the, a draft pick because of the way they handled uh the the pre-combine and they worked guys out, and so they have no first uh in this year's draft because they traded for Taylor Hall, and then they have no first or second or third this year, and then next year they have no first. So it's one of those things where I, I don't know. I mean, Arizona's been talking about trying to keep Taylor Hall, but I don't know. Like, if, if I'm Taylor Hall, why do I go back there? And then the other thing you've been hearing is, well, would Taylor Hall take a short-term deal so that, you know, once the cap readjusts itself and, and fans could get back in the stands and the cap goes up and the hockey revenue goes up, like, does he take a short-term deal now to hit again uh, on a bigger contract later on? I think it's wishful thinking Maybe Taylor Hall does that, but if I'm representing Taylor Hall, given his injury situation and given the history uh, of the injuries that he's kind of battled over the last few years and really throughout his career, I I think there's no chance. I think Taylor Hall is going to get paid pandemic, no pandemic, hockey revenue down, flat cap. I think he's one of those guys. There's a handful of guys on the free agent market this year uh, that are going to get paid no matter what year they hit free agency. And I think Taylor Hall's one of those guys, and I certainly would not be taking a short-term deal uh, if I'm Taylor Hall. If he's willing to do that, great. More power to you. I'd be all in if I was the Canadians. But now I think you have to seriously think about it. And, you know, you have to think, like, you know, he's 28, so he's not old. uh, But he does have that injury history that we've been talking about, that we heard Pierre Maguire talk about. How long are you committing to Taylor Hall? Like, do you want to go seven years with Taylor Hall if it's going to cost you upwards of eight nine million dollars per season I know the Canadians have needs uh, and he is a bigger body and he can score and he is a speedy guy I would take him on my team any day 
But if I have to make a seven-year commitment at $9 million a year, no thanks. I'd rather I'd rather take my chances, especially this offseason when there's so many players that are going to hit the market. Uh, I'd rather take my chances uh, swinging a trade, even if I have to give up something uh, for a contract that's a little bit more favorable. Uh, I would probably do that. And yes, I realize that you're probably saying, well, the Canadians have the cap space. Who cares? Yes, I certainly realize that. Uh, but Philip Deneau, Jeff Petrie, Brendan Gallagher, Thomas Tatar, I don't think they'll all be back. But you have to pay those guys as soon as next year. That's not two, three, four years down the line. That's next offseason. A year from now, you're going to have to make uh, some serious decisions on those guys. And personally, I don't think Gallagher's going anywhere. I know the rumblings about Phil Deneau. Maybe he's the one who's out because he's not happy with his role and he wants to get himself paid. I certainly have no problem with that. But I, I, I definitely think, I believe that those two guys are back. And I think Jeff Petrie's back too. It's Saturday Sports on TSN 690. Joey Alfieri with you till 12. A reminder, we will be talking to Alouette's linebacker, DJ Lalama, who nearly died just a couple of years ago, but uh, got himself back on the field and had a tremendous 2019 season. Uh, we'll talk to uh, DJ just after 1035. Also, he's starting a pro flag football league uh, out in Winnipeg. Uh, so we want to pick his brain on that. But uh, coming up next, the Lakers turned in a dominant performance in Game 1 of the Western Conference Finals against Denver. Can LeBron and AD and the gang dispose of the Nuggets quickly, or will Jamal Murray and Nikolai Jokic make this a series? And how about the comments LeBron James had last night? He said he was quote-unquote pissed off. We'll tell you why on TSN 690. Harris runs into a wall into White. Now a bad pass. Another turnover. Here comes Caruso. He's got LeBron James right there. LeBron bullies his way in. Gives it up. Nice find. Davis hits a three. Anthony Davis on the find from LeBron James. Caruso. Good pass and James hammers one home. Yeah, the Los Angeles Lakers dominant in Game 1 of the Western Conference Finals last night uh, against the Denver Nuggets. This is Saturday Sports on TSN 690 with Joey Alfieri. We're with you till noon. Uh, reminder, we will talk hockey with Jamie McLennan, former NHL goaltender and currently uh, TSN hockey analyst on television and on TSN 1050 in Toronto. And uh, we will talk a little more Habs, but I wanted to get into this story. Uh, it's funny, watching the game last night, Lakers win 126-114, and they were pretty much in cruise control. I mean, that's a tight scoreline uh 12 point win the margin of uh, victory there for the uh, lakers in game one but they were they seemed to be in control uh, of that game from pretty much from start to finish and it's funny just interacting with people on on twitter if you're not following me at joey alfieri i like to i like to tweet during the sporting events and i like to uh to exchange uh with uh, some of our listeners and some of my followers and it was just it was funny you know tweeting and i'm not a laker fan uh, but, you know, just tweeting, you know, nice things about the Lakers, the responses you'll get uh, is uh, is pretty funny. Just, you know, I, I know a lot of people were uh, frustrated with the way the officiating went uh, last night. A lot of people felt like the, the Lakers were given uh, some gifts uh, when it came to calls. And uh, here's Jamal Murray on that. He's the... Uh, Canadian on the Denver Nuggets, NBA superstar. The respect is earned um, in every aspect, <clears throat> with your play, uh, with how you talk to the referee. I always try to be as respectful as I can when I go to talk to them. You can ask every single one of them. But it's something you can't focus on. It's the call is not always going to go your way, and you can't complain about it. And uh, you know, trying to learn that as a young player, and you just got to play through it. And, um, you know, they're not trying to make the wrong call. They're just 
you know, they're doing the job. And you know, I'm gonna miss shots and they're gonna miss calls or I'm gonna make a bad pass and they might make a bad call. It's just gonna happen. And you know, like I said, just don't react, keep playing through it and uh, we'll be all right. But um, you know, I'm not gonna sit here and just blame it on, blame it on the refs. That's not what I'm doing. We just gotta play through it and earn that respect. Yeah, I think that's the you know that's the mature way to respond to it. As frustrated as you might have been in the moment, that game, you know, it was a tight game. I think uh, going into the second quarter, uh, Denver actually had a two point lead, and things just fell apart in that second quarter. I think the Lakers opened up on a seventeen three run, um, and a big reason why is because uh, Nikola Jokic, the center on the Denver Nuggets, got into some early foul trouble, so he had to sit for most of that second quarter. Uh, Jamal Murray got into some foul foul trouble as well, and he had to sit for a good chunk of the second quarter. And the uh, same for Paul Millsap, who, you know, Paul Millsap, a good veteran player, but he's one of the few veterans on that team. And you have all three guys sitting, and the Lakers were able to not pull away, uh, but build themselves up a, a substantial enough lead that they were able to cruise uh, to victory in Game 1. And it's just funny that nobody can give the Lakers credit. And, I mean, I get it. Uh, you know, they're, they're the Yankees, and, you know, they're, they're even the Toronto Maple Leafs, I guess. Uh, but they've done a, a little bit more winning than the Leafs have. Uh, but... I mean, just, it's funny. LeBron James, like, the reaction. Like, he didn't even have to be great last night. Uh, you know, they, they were able to, to manage his minutes, played 31 minutes, uh, ended up going 6 from 11 from the floor, had 15 points and 12 assists. So just, you know, ho-hum, double-double. Uh, Anthony Davis put up bigger numbers for the Lakers, 37 points, 10 rebounds. They didn't need LeBron James to be great because I, I, at one point I had to, like, look at the calendar to figure out what year it was because uh, Dwight Howard and uh, Rajon Rondo, former NBA superstars, uh, in their own right, you know, they've become bench players and they've become valuable players for the Lakers, but it looked like it was 2008 uh, all over again with how well uh, those guys had been playing. But the Lakers dominated. I mentioned yesterday on Melnick in the afternoon, I thought that if Anthony Davis played up to his capabilities, uh, I thought that they could dispose of the Nuggets quickly. And it's no disrespect to the Nuggets. I just, I think they're in a, they're in a different place. I think they'll be good for a while, but they're just, they're young. Uh, and the Lakers have players that are a little more battle-tested. Uh, so that's why I felt that way. Uh, but the storyline after the game, was all uh, it was all LeBron James. Uh, as you may have found out, uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo was given uh, the MVP award for the 2019-20 season, and it's the second time in a row that he does come away with the award. No, no not, not yet. Not yet. I got, I got to set a goal, which I don't know the goal, what the goal is right now. Actually, I know what the goal is. Don't, don't call me MVP. Don't call me two times MVP until I'm a, I'm a champion. All right, so he doesn't want to be called MVP until he's a champion. Last year when he, was, when he won the MVP, uh, he told the media that he didn't want to be called an MVP until he won a second one in a row. Now he's won a second one in a row, and as you heard right there, he doesn't want to be called a back-to-back MVP until he wins an NBA title. Uh, and uh, also, interestingly enough, uh, Giannis, who's going to become a free agent after next season, uh, said this about staying in Milwaukee. I had a great meeting with uh, the owners, talked about the team, talked about what went wrong, what can we improve. And you know, as long as everybody's in the same page and as long as everybody's fighting for the same thing, not fighting every single day, which is to be a champion, you know, why not be more for the next 15 years? All right, whether or not he stays, I don't know. That's not the story today. Uh, LeBron James said he was quote-unquote pissed off after last night's game uh, because he only got 16 first-place votes. Not saying that um, you know the the winner wasn't deserving of the MVP, but that pissed me off. And I finished second a lot in my in my career, either from a championship 
and now four times as an MVP. Uh, like I said, I never, I never came into this league saying, let me uh, be an MVP or, or be a champion. I've always said, I just want to get better and better every single day. And uh, those things take care of itself. There's some things that's just out of my hand and some things you can't control, but it pissed me off. I'm not going to sit up here and talk about what the criteria should be or what it is. It's changed over the years since I've gotten to the league. I know that, you know, it, it, it's, it's just changed. It's changed a lot. You know, sometimes it's the best player uh, on the best team. Sometimes it's the guy with the best season statistically. Sometimes uh, it, it, it's changed over the course of uh, over the course of my career. I mean, you don't know, but I, you know, you know, Giannis had a hell of a season. I, I can definitely say that. Okay, couple things. Uh, I have no problem with LeBron James saying this. Uh, and people who have a problem with it, I, I don't know if you don't have a competitive bone in your body, but you basically had the second best season of anybody in the NBA. Uh, you're one of the all-time greats. You're going to be disappointed not to win MVP, and you're probably going to feel like you've been, you know, that you've been slighted over the years. Uh, the thing is, I mean, I think Michael Jordan won the MVP five times. Uh, I want to say LeBron sitting on four. This is what happens with the voting, and I'm not saying I disagree with the way the voting went this year because I do think that Giannis was the regular season MVP, and you have to keep it in mind it's a regular season award. So I'm if I had a vote, which I don't, I would have given it to Giannis. So I'm not saying that the voters got it wrong, but sometimes you kind of get, as a voter, I'd imagine that you get a little bit of fatigue uh, with... Some of the, you know, like voting for for LeBron James every year or voting for uh, Michael Jordan every year. I guess it kind of gets old. And and as media, we're attracted to different storylines, you know, and we want to, you know, we we like that shiny new story. Um, So I think that's kind of what you do get sometimes. But in this particular case, I do think that they made the right call. Uh, I do think that uh, Giannis was uh, more than deserving. But... Look, I'm fine with LeBron James being frustrated with it, but he's just he's in a no-win situation because no matter what he says, whether it's something positive, whether he's upset, whether it's something negative, I mean, he's just he's become such a, a polarizing figure in the sense that you either love him or you hate him. There's no in between with LeBron James, and I, and I just I don't get it. For me, when I have no rooting interest, and I honestly have no rooting interest in the NBA, I I just I love and I appreciate greatness. You know, do I want the Toronto Raptors to do well? Absolutely. Was I pulling for the Raptors in the NBA Finals last year? 100%. But I wasn't fed up of Golden State winning. I want to watch greatness, especially when I don't have a horse in the race. So I don't want to tell you how to think, but just, you know, LeBron's in his mid-30s. Just appreciate greatness. Stop complaining about, you know, every little thing. Saturday Sports on TSN 690 with Joey Alfieri. Uh, Let's shift gears. We're going to talk a little bit of football now. Alouette's linebacker DJ LaLama went from being a healthy professional football player in his 20s to nearly dying. But he's back, and he had a great 2019 season with the Owls. How did he get himself back to full health? He'll tell us on Saturday Sports on TSN 690. Welcome back. Saturday Sports on TSN 690. Joey Alfieri with you till noon. A reminder, we will be talking to Impact midfielder Samuel Piet uh, about scoring his first goal in MLS last week. And uh, also, he's, uh, he's a brand new father less than a month uh, ago that uh, he and his uh, girlfriend had their first child. So we'll get into that and uh, the uh, rest of the Impact season uh, with Sam just after 11.05. But it's a pleasure to talk football with our next guest. He's Montreal Alouette's linebacker. He's in Winnipeg. He's DJ Lalama. DJ, what's going on, man? How have you been? 
Joy, I'm doing great, man. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for uh, thanks for doing this. Uh, we appreciate it. I saw last week where you popped the question. You proposed. I did. Yeah. Congrats, man. It's been a busy week. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. So, uh, more nervous when you uh, when you popped the question or before a football game? <laughs> I think it depends on the football game, right? Um, okay, the East, no. the East semifinal last year against Edmonton at Molson Stadium. <laughs> yeah, you know what? No, jittery in both senses, but uh, you know, my, my fiance here have been together for five years, so I kind of knew the answer going in. But nonetheless, uh, when it kind of hits you, there's definitely those butterflies uh, when you get down on one knee. Did you get down on one knee? I did. I did. So you went old school. I like that because I did that too. There you go. See, Italians, we got to stick together. Here. <laughs> there you go. There you go. I like it. And you know what was funny, uh, DJ? I don't know if this happened to you, but so my wife and I, it's going to be three years we're married. So I proposed four years ago, I guess it is. And uh, it was a couple hours after I proposed. We were eating dinner together. And she goes, hey, by the way, do you remember what you said to me when you got down on one knee? And I'll be honest with you, I had no clue. I, I know I spoke for about a minute, but I had no clue what I said. I couldn't remember. Nice. nice. No, you know what? I think I think I remember. I don't think she remembers. <laughs> in my case, so it's all good though. She said yes. You go with a script, or uh, like, did you did you have something in your in your mind already, or did you no, just no, no. kind of just winged it? I said I, I set it up with a photographer here in the city, and you know, I wasn't sure exactly how it was going to go down. So it was just uh, I wung it. She she kind of blacked out, I guess, for a minute, and it's probably why she said yes. But hey, we're here, we're here now, so. No kidding. What's the off? Well, off season. I mean, it's not even an off season. What's what's this entire process been like for you? Because um, I know you had uh, a bit of a crazy year in 2019, where uh, you were coming off an injury, a major health scare that I want to get to. But uh, you were playing for your hometown Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Then you had a decision to make, and you stepped away from Winnipeg because you had an opportunity in Montreal. Uh, this is your second tour of duty with the Owls. And I mean, you killed it, man. Like you, I, I felt like you know, I probably didn't feel this way to you, but you, you got here, you came out of nowhere, and I mean, you ended up starting games and playing meaningful snaps on defense uh, for a team that ended up going to the playoffs. So, what's this whole 2020 been like for you? Yeah, you know what? I think you know initially, it's you just want to build off that, right? You want to build off you know the, the success and the camaraderie, and um, you know what we were able to put on the field there at the end of 2019, and. Obviously, when when that was kind of in doubt and, and it looked bleak, um, you kind you kind of turn your efforts and, and focus elsewhere. And you know, for me, I have a great support system here in, in Winnipeg, and um, you know, just training a bunch of kids now, working uh, full time for a, a Canadian supplement company called Body Logic. So you know, they're supporting me and um, giving me an opportunity to kind of diversify myself. And then obviously, uh, we saw a, a void, you know, with football not being played, and, and Andrew Harris and I decided to launch a, a pro prep football league. Yeah, I, that, I wanted. That's exactly where I wanted to go with you next. He's DJ Lalama, linebacker for the Montreal Alouettes, joining us on Saturday Sports with Joey Alfieri on TSN six ninety. So, how did this idea with Andrew Harris come about, and how long uh, have you known Andrew? And yeah, where did this come from? Yeah, you know, what? I've I've known Andrew for for the better part of the last decade. Uh, you know, there there was kind of like a football centric gym here in the city that we would all train at. All the CFL guys would come home and. Um, you know, kind of that mutual uh, respect that was gained there. And um, obviously playing with him last year in Winnipeg, you know, that, that bond grew grew closer. And uh, we were just really, we were in the city and, and high school football got shut down and club football got shut down and um, university football got shut down. And, and him and I are sitting there and we're like, you know, this sucks for us not being able to play football at the CFL level. But imagine being in grade 12 and, and having that uncertainty and not knowing what's next and if they're going to play again and can they go to the next level, et cetera. So, 
uh, Andrew and I kind of pooled our resources and our passion for football, and um, we're just trying to kind of push the game forward in a, in a safe and meaningful way. Uh, did you guys like, had you played had you played against each other uh, at all before the CFL? Like, had you guys ever crossed before on the no, field? No, not on the football field. Uh, he's, he's a he's a little older. Uh, yeah, he's getting he's getting to be that old guy. So, um, <laughs> no, not not on the field. Um, but again, you know, I, I think I was eighteen. You know, he would have been like twenty three or twenty four, right. uh, and, and we have kind of been training together, I guess, in the off season since then. So he's never run you over, and you've never popped him real good. <laughs> I guess not, unless unless it's on like a weekend little backyard shenanigans. <laughs> but uh, no, not not necessarily. Saturday Sports, Joey Alfieri on TSN 690 in conversation with Alouette's linebacker, uh, DJ Lalama. So, DJ, I mean, I just, I, you know, I, I know we've spoken a few times uh, throughout this season. Once you got back to Montreal, we spoke a bit on the field. But um, I only, you know, I, I knew you in 2017 as a football player. We hadn't really discussed much because you were drafted. I love your story. You were drafted by Edmonton in 2016 with the last pick of the draft. You were 70th overall, uh, the eighth round pick. Uh, then I guess you went back to school, right? You went to Manitoba. Yep. And yep. then you came out. You went to um, you came to Montreal in 2017. Had a pretty good season on special teams. You hurt your shoulder, and uh, in, in the following training camp in 2018. And then I I know that you had a little bit of a health scare. So can you tell our listeners exactly what went down and the adversity you've overcome to get back to this point where you are now? Yeah, sure. Um, yeah. So so like you said, uh, kind of blew up my shoulder there in training camp in in 2018 and. Um, my season was done, so I got permission from the from the team there to to come home and and get surgery here in Winnipeg, and you know have a little bit of family and, and support around just to take care of me in those kind of early stages. And um, eight days in, uh, basically had like a mini cardiac arrest, uh, lost vision, couldn't see, couldn't breathe. Um, you know, got rushed to the hospital, and um, basically they found a, a a pretty good sized blood clot in my right lung. Um, so that was kind of you know scary and. You know, most people, I guess, you know, the doctors say they don't kind of live to have that conversation, mm-hmm. uh, I guess, with where it was and how big it was. So, um, you know, kind of just had to pivot real quick. Um, had a lot of good people around me and, and made sure that I was safe moving forward. And, um, you know, I have an underlying heart condition and, and blood clot condition now. So it's something we got to, you know, always be cautious of and aware of um, pre-game, post-game, during the game, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, yeah, it's, it's it, it was tough. Um, but I think for me now, it just kind of puts my whole perspective uh, through a different lens. And, you know, I'm able to enjoy things a lot more because I know it's not promised. You can't take this stuff for granted. And, uh, you know, I think that's kind of in part why, you know, last year for me, football football was the most fun I've ever had. And uh, I could just play the game, you know, utilize the passion I have for it and, and put my best foot forward every day. So when you say that, you know, you have to manage it pregame, during the game, and after the game, like what kind of things are you doing to, to prevent that, that blood clot from forming again, I guess? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, hydration, um, you know, I actually take aspirins before playing rides, before playing football, just to kind of let the blood, like the mm-hmm. blood flow a little bit easier, which I mean, obviously, you know, football, you get hit, you get cut. That's not ideal, but it is what it is. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and compressions, you know, to the nines, to the point where I kind of feel like I can't move at times, but just making sure that there's no kind of pockets or, or swelling, et cetera. So, um, you know, again, it's, it's, it's not like I'm sitting here and I'm not saying all oh, like, you know, why me? And, um, right. It's, it's it's doable, it's manageable, um, and like I said, you know, I'll do whatever I can to get back on the football field and, and contribute and, and help my team win. So, were you did were you convinced at any point during that process that like this might be it for football? I'd imagine I'd imagine you had that conversation with family and doctors. 
Yeah, you know what? I mean, to me personally, I guess like the the internal drive, right? It was it was always you know when you know when can I get back and instead of saying if, and and I think that helped me just push forward in my recovery. But um, there's definitely a lot of smart people, um, you know, qualified professionals that I had to go through and, and meet with, and um, they weren't all on the same page, you know, with regard to getting back to a contact sport like football. Um, but the people that I hold, you know, close and, and really respect their opinion, you know, they kind of gave me the soft okay and. Uh, from there, I really said, you know, this is up to me. You know, you only live this life once, and mm-hmm. I've put 20 years into something, and I'd want to see it through. So, Yeah, no, I hear you. It's Saturday Sports on TSN 690. Joey Alfieri in conversation with Alouette's linebacker, uh, DJ Lalama. All right, if we can, you know, let's move past the, the doom and gloom. Uh, you, and, you and Vernon Adams have... Uh, a couple things in common. Uh, one of them is, I mean, you both have two stints with the Alouettes. I know you got to know them during your first stint, uh, and mm. obviously you guys have become very important part uh, part of the organization here uh, during your second stints. But uh, give me a story about Vernon, a funny story about Vernon I've never heard before. Oh, man. Um, man, that's a good one. There's, there's a lot, but, you know, I think I think the the – the one that kind of hits, the, like my first year out there, he was already there for a couple of weeks and, and, uh, in 2017. And, and I remember walking in to, to grab some Tim Hortons actually in Griffintown and, uh, Vernon's walking out with a, with a bucket full of roses and he's got his, you know, his big smile on his face and, um, he's bringing it to, to his girlfriend. And, um, I kind of looked at him and I'm like, like, man, like you're, like you're a good dude, you know, like you're playing football by day, you're still taking care of the girl, this and that, whatever. And he's like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, I'll take care of all you guys. And then that was in 2017 when he was a third string quarterback, Yeah, you know, and, you know, it was kind of funny. And then I was kind of a no name or two and um, just to see where he's come from though, you know, just a, just a genuine person, um, you know, his love for the game, love for his teammates um, and his family, obviously. And, um, you know, you, you saw what he could do on the football field when, when he had the opportunity last year. And, and that's a guy that I'm extremely excited to get back into the locker room club 514 again and, and continue to push forward. Okay, you you you're leading me here. Club five one four last year. For those who don't know, if you're not following a lot of the guys on uh, on Instagram, uh, it was what was it the the day before home games? It was the following the walkthrough. You guys would turn the Al's locker room into a a mock nightclub. Like what what yeah. kind of moves do you have, DJ? What like are you oh, are me. you a decent dancer or what? No, no, I'm I'm more of like that security, you know, just making sure that, that no one that no one goes too crazy. There, there's some guys in there that that have some pretty good moves though. Vernon being one of them. So, yeah. uh, it, it was Vernon's club, Boris and, and Marty. They would set it up every week, and uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun. It, it was it was a lot of fun, and that just you know, you miss that part of it as much as you miss playing the game. You just miss being around the guys and, and having fun and, and kind of creating memories together. So, okay, who 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 dances a lot that shouldn't be dancing in Club Five One Four? You know what? I might have to say Fabian Foot on that one. <laughs> <laughs> I might I might have to go back with Fabian. He's he's uh a, you know I, I consider him a brother and uh, he's hilarious. He's a he's a big personality. And, uh, you get a big guy like that trying to move. It's it's pretty funny. Yeah, he, Fabian Foot. Of course, he's a Canadian defensive tackle. Is now signed with the Toronto Argonauts. But uh, yeah, quite the character. Uh, but just getting back to Vernon uh, DJ, I think you know talking to him on a, on a few different occasions. Uh, very, you know, he, he can be lighthearted, but very intense uh, when talking mm-hmm. about football. And I don't know if I've spoken to a professional athlete who uses that chip on his shoulder. And I, I mean, I get it. You know, he's been overlooked at every level uh, and he's proven everybody wrong. But uh, a guy who, who uses a chip on his shoulder like that to his advantage, I mean, it's it's really something. Yeah, for sure it is. And, and like I said, you know, 
um, when I came back to Montreal, you know, he was he was a guy that I hit up first, and, and you know, I wanted to make sure that things were different. You could you could kind of tell from afar that you know there's a different vibe and, and there's a dis, you know a, a different locker room feel this year. And um, before I came back, you know, there was a couple guys I reached out to, and he was one of them. And uh, you know, to see to see his transformation in, in two or three years and, and what he's done with an opportunity, and um, you know, that kind of coincides with with Kahari and, and the work that he's been able to do, and I think kind of mentor Vernon in a lot of ways and. Um, it's just something you want to be a part of. And, you know, every day when you get out there, you know, I think each one of us athletes, we, we play for something, right? You play for yourselves, you play for your family, you, you play for the people that have helped you get there. But um, that's a guy that as long as he's, you know, a part of a part of our team, a part of the Alouettes organization, um, you know, you never feel like you're out of a game. And, and you know, I can probably speak for, for all the defensive guys, you know, for sure, the other offensive guys. You know, that's a guy that you want to play for. Um, you want to rally around and, and you want to make sure that uh, we can, you know, maximize – um, our potential together because of his ability to lead at quarterback. Al's linebacker DJ Lalama joining us on Saturday Sports. Joey Alfieri on TSN 690. Uh, we'll be talking to impact midfielder Sam Piet just after 11 o'clock. Uh, DJ, we mentioned it before, but when you know, you're playing for the Blue Bombers last year, you're from Winnipeg, family in Winnipeg, uh, what's that conversation like with the family when you tell them, hey, you know what, I think there's a better opportunity waiting for me in Montreal and I think I'm going to leave uh, home to go back out east? Yeah, you know, it was it was tough initially. Um, it's it's one of those conversations. I mean, I think uh, you don't plan on having. You know, I played played nine games and everything was going kind of pretty well, and, and realized that you know I was kind of, um, you know, I don't want to say cornered, but you know, I, I understood my role. It was going to be a special teams role. It was going to be not not playing as much as I would like to play. And um, you know, I think you know my family has been been great this whole football journey, and they realized that this window to play pro and uh, maximize your potential is so small. Um, so I think when I kind of told them what was up and, and what I think the opportunities might be elsewhere, um, you know, they were, they were supportive and, uh, you know, the conversation with, you know, now my fiance, you know, Carly wasn't necessarily the easiest saying, Hey, you know, I'm leaving. Um, but, uh, you know, same goes with, uh, you know, speaking with coach O'Shea, you know, that's a guy that I've learned to, to have a lot of love and respect for. And, um, when I sat down and said, Hey, thanks for giving me the opportunity of a lifetime to play for my hometown team, but, you know, I'd like to I'd like to move forward and, um, you know, kind of chase my own dreams. And that was a tough emotional conversation, too. But again, he's a he's a great man and, and he kind of wished me well. And, um, you know, I was able to go back to Montreal and kind of move forward. So from a personal standpoint, I mean, for yourself, you made the right call. No doubt about it. You got to play a lot of defense. Uh, but how tough was it to see the Bombers win the Grey Cup and, and you being there at the beginning of the year? Yeah, you know what? I mean, Tough might not be the right word. You know, I think for me it was, uh, you know, kind of initially it was like, oh, like the what if, like that could have been me. You know, I, I was a part of that. You know, I would have won a great cup. But, you know, really quickly I realized I'm like, it's not about that. You know, I can still win another great cup with Montreal. You know what I mean? And, yeah, there was a lot of parties going on in terms of, you know, the city was on fire. They, they were so excited, 30 years, et cetera, et cetera. So that part was a little tough you know everywhere you went for for two months it was all a great cup well you know some people thought I still played on the team and you know that that part was a little um you know it, it hurt a little bit I guess but long story short I wouldn't change anything you know I rolled the dice bet on myself um had the most fun I've ever had playing football you know I think we're only getting better and moving in the right direction as a team so um I think our, our ring's coming so I, uh, we made, as a family, uh, I mean, we've got a lot of, like, we're diehard CFL fans in the family, right? Like, we watch every yep. game, every weekend. Uh, my dad, my brother, my cousin, and I, uh, we made the trek out to Regina last season to watch you guys play Sask in Sask. 
And okay. I know you made a lot of plays on defense, but I got to tell you, uh, my the favorite my favorite part of your season was when Marty went down in uh, Regina, and you had mm-hmm. to come in in a pinch and long snap, and we're sitting right behind the Owls bench, and I'm watching you snap the ball on the sideline, and it's kind of. It's. I, I gotta be honest with you, DJ. I was like, "Oh, this is gonna be interesting." But then you got on the field and you did it, and you did it well. And I, I just came away so impressed uh, by that. I'm sure your teammates were too. Uh, but that was. That's got to be a tough moment to be in when you've got to replace the long snapper uh, on the road in hostile territory. And I know I noticed around the hotel there was a lot of Lalama jersey, so I know you had a lot of family and friends in the crowd too. But that can't be easy situation to walk into. Yeah, you know what? I think anytime, you know, that's such a that's such a perfectionist uh, role. You know, Marty's great at what he does, and he's done it for a long time. So anytime you got to kind of come in and, and fill those shoes, yeah, there's a little bit of nerves or, or whatnot. But um, you know, really, at the end of the day, it's you blank out the noise and, and you kind of put those blunders on and you throw a ball between your legs. You know, as, as easy as I make that sound, I know there's a lot more technique involved. But um, I know Boris Boris at that point in time was a big dude, pretty athletic dude, and I said, you know, worst case, I throw it two feet the wrong way, and he's going to make me look good. So. Um, you know, I just go in there, you know, the team put confidence in me and, you know, I ended up snapping, I think four or five different games over the course of the year. So, mm-hmm. um, just the more you can do, you know, obviously, you know, I want to be able to support my teammates and contribute, you know, in a multitude of ways. And if that's something that I have to do to, to help, then, then so be it. Yeah. I just, I go back to what it looked like on the, I, I didn't know how you were able to flick that switch. I was, I, I was just so impressed by that. Cause it was a little, I'll be honest with you. It was a little yeah, wobbly yeah, yeah. on the sideline, but once you got onto the field in the real fire situation, I mean, you, you looked like you'd been long snapping all year. <laughs> no, I appreciate that. And I think, I think that's one thing too, is, you know, it's just a little bit of a different routine, obviously getting ready to snap and, um, I'll be honest, your, your buddy's a little sore playing special teams all year and yeah. defense and this and that. So, um, you know, it takes a little kind of feeling out and get the kinks out, and and then hopefully, like you said, when you when you get it on the field, it's it's all uh, it's all gravy from there. All the best to uh, you and the uh, fiance. Uh, Italian is she Italian too? She is part Italian. Okay, too, yeah. so how uh, so? Give me the uh, over under on the amount of uh, guests at this wedding when uh, whenever it's going to go down. Is it going to be big? It's it's probably going to be a decent size, yeah. And you know, there's lots of friends, a lot of people we'd like to have out and celebrate. So. Uh, Nonetheless, it'll it'll have an Italian flair to it. Good, I, I'm happy to hear that. DJ, thanks for doing this, man. Really appreciate it, and uh, all the best uh, until uh, until we meet again next year. Hey, much appreciated, man. Thanks, and, and all the best to you and the family as well. That's uh, DJ Lalama, Montreal Alouettes linebacker. Uh, it was a great story. Uh, I'm a big fan. Really, uh, really liked that he he gambled on himself. He left his hometown team uh, of Winnipeg. I uh, came back to Montreal and started out on special teams and uh, made an impact there and then ended up getting some snaps on defense and made a lot of plays on defense. And I think had this season happened uh, in 2020, I think he's your starting Will linebacker. I think the Alouettes would, would have started uh, two Canadian linebackers in uh, Enoch Mwamba and uh, DJ Lalama. I really feel strongly about that. Uh, but uh, he's still young. He's got a bright future, and hopefully uh, that future happens uh, in Montreal with the Alouettes. It's been a busy month for impact midfielder Samuel Piet. Not only did he score his first MLS goal, he also became a father for the first time. How does he feel about leaving his family behind and playing multiple games in the States? He'll tell us. It's Saturday Sports on TSN 690. Just regular preparation, game by game, and uh, yes, it's a different scenario, it's the finals, uh, but at the same time, same routine, uh, same uh, uh, 
same preparation. Uh, maybe just a little bit more interviews with you guys. Uh, there's the quirky Dallas Stars goaltender Anton Hudobin, who's uh, getting ready to take on the Tampa Bay Lightning in the Stanley Cup Final. Game 1 uh, goes tonight. You can catch that on NBC. I believe that begins uh, at 7.30. And that leads us to our Saturday sports with question of the day with Joey Alfieri. Uh, you can find it on Twitter at TSN 690 or at Joey Alfieri. Uh, so assuming you have no horse in this race, who are you rooting for in the Stanley Cup Final? Very interesting results. 60%, almost 61% of you uh, are voting for the Dallas Stars. Uh, I'd imagine that Alexander Radulov has a, uh, a big part uh, in that. But I'm with you guys. I thought maybe that you know people would finally want to see Tampa Bay hoist the Stanley Cup. I get it. They have Sergachev, uh, and they're in the Canadians division, and people are still salty about the Mikhail Sergachev trade, so maybe that's why uh, they're at uh, 40% of the votes here. Uh, but I like the Dallas Stars too. There's something about the group. Um, you know, they started off slow. I really like their defenseman, uh, Miro Haskinen. You guys all know how I feel about Rope Hints. I think the Canadians should offer sheet him or try to trade for him uh, this summer. But I like the group. Like, I like that they have some of the older guys like Pavelski and Perry and Jamie Benz older. And I've always appreciated uh, Tyler Seguin. Uh, but I'm, I'm rooting for the Stars as well. Uh, I made my prediction on uh, Melnick in the afternoon yesterday. I'm going with Stars in seven. I think they're going to suffocate the Lightning uh, defensively. And uh, look, I think it's going to be tight. But I do think uh, I'm going with Dallas. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm confident. Well, confident. I mean, I guess if I was confident, I'd have them in less than seven games. Uh, but I feel like the Stars can win this series, even though they're going into it as underdogs. I want to know, you know, Steven Stamkos, is he going to play? Uh, can he turn on that that switch and, and get this Tampa Bay power play going? Is he even going to be available? Uh, how healthy is Braden Point? We know he almost played uh, 26 minutes, I think it was, uh, in the last game of the Islanders series. And now Anthony Sorelli scored the game winner uh, in that game six to punch their ticket to the Stanley Cup final. But he left the game for a while after colliding with Anders Lee. Uh, love Victor Hedman, but I wonder if the Bolts just don't, if they don't just run out of steam uh, at the tail end. So uh, you can keep voting on our poll, Saturday Sports, TSN 690. Uh, just who are you rooting for uh, in the Stanley Cup final? Of course, we did talk Montreal Canadiens before, uh, and uh, we did say, we asked you guys, text us at 11690, how are you feeling about the Canadians and their $10 million in cap space? Uh, Luke and Lachine says, hey, with the cap space left, I'd like to see the Habs swing a trade, use Tatar or Domi, a prospect, picks to get a younger, established top six forward with speed and size. Uh, he says, hey, uh, Luke again, a guy like Patrick Laine from the Winnipeg Jets. I think Patrick Laine could move. Uh, I don't think that's enough to get Patrick Laine, and I just wonder if the Canadians have that defenseman. They definitely have a second-line center that they can trade Winnipeg in uh, in Max Domi, but I just I wonder if they have the defenseman uh, that uh, the Jets are so desperately looking for. It's Saturday Sports on TSN 690 with Joey Alfieri. We talk to Impact midfielder Samuel Piet next.